You're listening to Sports Radio Detroit. Get the scoop on Tigers today. Tigers SRD on SportsRadioDetroit.com. Welcome to another episode of Tigers SRD here on Sports Radio Detroit, powered by the Overtime Media Network. I'm Rockets I'm Chris Brown, and tonight's guest, we welcome back, friend of the show. I mean, some uh, Down River listeners who greeted me at the bar when I was kind of slightly buzzed, but it was perfectly fine. Uh, Brian Sadowski, he is a national scouting supervisor at Perfect Game, the assistant coach of Orchard Lake St. Mary's. He had some quite a, quite an evening being the assistant coach uh, in Catholic League action. Of course, if anybody knows out there, it's three balls, two strikes, and a strike might have cost Brian some uh, free time this evening, <laughs> or gained him some free time. Uh, well, thanks for having me back on the show, guys. But yeah, I uh, um, got my first ejection thrown my way in my coaching career tonight. Um, don't need to go into too many details. Don't want to name names or anything like that. But I think that the rest of the St. Mary's coaching staff would have my back in saying that it was an unnecessary ejection, that I was actually behaving myself. Uh, but, yeah, Eaglets won both. Tied for first in the Catholic League right now. Go Eaglets. Yeah, it's a tough, that's a, it's a very tough division. Uh, probably one of the toughest. Damn it. Is everything all right there, Chris? Yes. So same thing happened last week. I stepped in. The, sorry, I ran over a bunch of stuff on the ground. This is life of the five-year-old. And welcome to the show, Chris. Old man falling down the stairs. <laughs> the Homer Simpson uh, goes over and over again. But uh, so plenty to get to tonight. We're gonna have, we'll be talking some draft as the draft is just really about a, it's actually about a month, almost a, less than a month away right now. Uh, we'll get to some of the who the Tigers are projected to have, some of the, the top 10 or so. Uh, Brian has got an article that he just released. We'll go we'll get into that. But first of all, we'll get into some Tiger news. And I'm going to ask you guys both this question about Ryan Rodriguez, who tonight is, I think it's three for four, I believe, or two for three or three for four. Uh, just may, he had a double. He had a triple earlier. He's mashing the ball. His on-base percentage is insane. And I'll start with you, Chris. Is, is Ryan Rodriguez... Uh, elevated himself from a 4A player yet, or is he still in that 4A uh, category? Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> he looks pretty damn good right now. He's still super aggressive, but he has been taking a couple of walks, and he's just making tons and tons of hard contact. Um, and and you, we kind of identified him prior to last season as a guy who might be interesting just because of the numbers he had put up in the minors. And you never, you know, like we always say, don't care too much about the stats down there but then he came up and he had that ridiculous batting stance it was like a texas tornado swing where he, he was like his arms were way up in the sky and he looked like uh it was like julio franco or mike avilas or something like that and it just didn't work but he's got a completely different setup and swing now and it's working for him uh, i never want to say oh this is legit because you know he's what he's like 26 27 and hadn't figured it out until now so it could just be a super hot streak and it might take a bit for the league to figure him out, but it's certainly helping the Tigers right now. Yeah, he's, even if everything outside, he's been hitting kind of the opposite way, and it seems like he's been kind of – it is a spark plug. I mean, the Tigers' season, is, as strange as it sounds, has been kind of a strange mix of – mixed bad everything. But uh, look at Matt, Matt Boyd's performance tonight. But Ron Rodriguez kind of 
hightailing the offense a little bit. Of course, there's been there's no home runs. The Tigers still lacking in the power side of things, but uh, they have that kind of extra base power. The other thing, uh, some news as well that came up was a new Tigers account, a new a new Twitter account, Road to Detroit, and as they're covering the minor leagues, the minor leagues are starting to become the new hotness, if you will. Uh, but that was, uh, I don't know if you guys saw that account that came up and virtually overnight kind of built itself up, but that was something that for any fans out there, cover if you want to follow that account, it, they do some nightly tweets and do using the Motoron, motor, motoron uh, hashtag, which I'm still kind of getting used to a little bit. you think it would be Motown or something a little easier, but uh, I digress. But uh, that's a new Twitter account. And um, this also is it's kind of a bad news thing, and I saw this on Fangraphs, but this was something that has been a long time coming. It was kind of projected to happen, but uh, this is a well written piece by uh, Craig Edwards and about St. Clair uh, or St. Clair purchase of baseball sports. So essentially they have bought the Angels, Braves, Brewers, Cardinals, Diamondbacks, Indians, Marlins, Padres, Rangers, Rays, Reds, Royals, Tigers, and Twins. You can, we'll put the link on our uh, on our show description this evening, but uh, they're going to be controlling, yeah, 16 of 30 major league franchises, and really the, the they, they put a map of the way the broadcasting rights would be, and it's really, really kind of screwed up where everything's going to line up at, but... Uh, According, you know, they they took some advantage of some FCC rules that are. I mean, they've. I don't know what the FCC does anymore, whether it's a regular virtual body or not. But uh, uh, it's they're at the thirty nine cent market reach of the cap, so you can own thirty nine percent of uh, of ownership. So this really kind of like there there might be a good chance there might see some blackouts in some big areas. So um, the, the the example they provide was interesting. That, that for example, in Cincinnati, St. Clair owns local CBS and CW stations. And while negotiating with the, the, the main network down there, which is Spectrum, a cable provider, it can provide all or nothing option. It's, if they're not going to pay the premium for it, they don't get none of it. So it's, it's fascinating, and it's also kind of scary because also there's some religious undertones with this company as well. And uh, that's to say the least, but... Uh, I don't know, and Chris. I, I know you've we've talked about this a little bit beforehand, but uh, I don't know, it's kind of a it's kind of a strange thing going on, especially with they're just they might even do bare bones as well with just even broadcast coverage. Yeah, I, you know, I don't know much about their business practices. I know a lot about you know what they've done with their news companies and stuff like that. And it is one of those weird situations where I think was it Fox Sports forced to sell these markets because of the merger with Disney or something like that. Correct. And then suddenly they had too much of the market. And But it's like, okay, you can have 40%, but you can't have, I don't know, it still seems like a hell of a lot of the market to have for me. But I don't know who comes up with these rules. But um, yeah, it's a bummer. Any, anytime there's talk of like blackouts, it sucks because we're trying to grow the sport all the time. You know, everybody who's involved in it wants to see baseball succeed. And I always hear these horror stories from people in Iowa who were blacked out from like five different teams. You can't see anything. It's like, well, what the hell? What's what are you doing? There's so much that that happens with baseball that is super annoying. Like we talked before about the minor league, you know, trying to crack down and videos of minor league footage. And it's like, why are you doing this? What what is the point of this? And, and I don't. I just always come back to like nobody hates baseball quite as much as baseball. So yeah, it, right, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll, yeah. It, I, I don't know, Chris. It just seems like there's. Even though the mapping thing of it all is just it's just, it's just very screwy. So, 
But I mean, yeah, you're right, Chris. I mean, even if going forward, they this is going to it's already affected ten attendance, but we'll get to that a little later on. The good, bad, and ugly there for you. But uh, the we'll just start right inside. We'll go right inside the numbers. And uh, Chris, what is your inside the number this week? Uh, so mine is five point seven and thirty, and that is the percentage of changeups thrown by Tigers pitchers. And 30 is the rank among all major league teams. They, they throw fewer changeups than any other team. I don't know if that means anything at all. I just found it interesting. Um, I don't know if it's like the Tigers just happen to have a collection of guys who don't throw changeups. That's probably what it is. Or if they actually went out and sought guys who have, you know, don't throw changeups much. The, the only real sort of evidence that they might be shying away is. Daniel Norris and Matthew Boyd have both cut down their changeup usage pretty drastically in the last two years, but it was they were both still pretty low last year. So I don't know if this is just like a Rick Anderson thing, or again, just hey, these guys happen to throw sliders better than their changeups. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, just an aberration, probably. But I thought it was interesting and something to keep an eye on. Maybe I mean, they throw a lot of sliders. I think they're third in sliders this year. So. Yeah, and there's a. Uh... We saw, I mean, we saw the slider tonight. Matt Boyd with that nice strikeout against uh, Trout earlier in the game. But uh, so my inside number this evening is two point zero and one point nine, or excuse me, one ninety one, and that would be the uh, F WAR for Hunter Dozier, and the one ninety one is the weighted runs created plus, and Hunter Dozier leads the American League in that department. So uh, we just saw the Royals in town. Uh, he did some damage to the Tigers, but this is a guy who was drafted, I believe, one of the top picks in 2013, and he's coming around now. I'm not sure how long this is going to last, Chris, but it is it is a good story for the Royals, who don't really have much to um, write home about. Or write home, write home about. I mean, he started the year off pretty slowly with uh, a .83 uh, bad average ball in some play, so, but you know, he's been, he's been tearing up the ball lately, and I'm not sure... Whether it's just going to be a flash or he's going to continue to grow, but still, that's pretty pretty good story for the Royals. Yeah, I mean, what's interesting about Dozier is that he was so, considered such an overdraft, like when they were where they took him in that draft, that it was kind of immediately obvious to everyone that the 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 Royals had worked out a deal later in the draft with Sean Manaya. Basically, they were given Dozier less money and, and given more to Manaya, and uh, yeah, and then they used Manaya to. Who did they end up getting with with Manaya? I forgot. They traded him to Oakland, right? Um, yeah, that's yeah, 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 because yeah, he was part of that Oakland the future staff or whatever they had there, like that future five. I'm trying to remember there. who they ended up getting from for him, but it was I don't know. In any event, uh, yeah. So Dozier was just kind of it was like, oh, he's a first rounder, but he's not really a first round talent. And he's just been kind of kicking around, and then yeah, suddenly he's just exploded this year. And I was looking earlier today. The Royals have like four or five of the top twenty five guys in uh, our position players in F war this year with Montessi and, and Maryfield and Alex Gordon's having a great year. And so it's like, wow, this is kind of an impressive offense right now. You know, the Tigers keep beating them. It was Ben Zobrist, Chris. That was the trade. For Zobrist, the, uh, there you go. Manaya. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Brian. No problem. Yeah. But the, uh, no, it, 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 it's, it's even with the Royals right now, the, the, it's the Tigers in, the Royals were projected to finish higher than the Tigers, but uh, yeah, they, well, they were in town. You saw, you saw what the the bullpen could potentially be, and then the rotation a little bit. But uh, no, their offense 
I don't know, they didn't throw light at me, but I remember Dozier kind of standing out a little bit because everybody's worried about with midfield, but if they have another bat like that in the lineup, that does help. Well, I mean, he took, what, he took 98 long away from Jimenez and just poked it out to right field and was like, all right, well, that's something. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I don't know. It, it's it's kind of interesting. The Royals seem to have a couple of building blocks there on offense. It's It's sort of... I would say that the opposite of where the Tigers are, where the Tigers appear to have a couple of building blocks and, and pitchers at the major league level right now, whether or not they want to keep Boyd or, or trade them. But uh, yeah, two, two rebuilding teams, and it'll be interesting to see how their rebuilds uh, compare to each other as we go forward. Yeah, I mean, the Royals did draft quite a bit of pitching last year out of Florida, so it's... They, t- they took like 80 college pitchers. It was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was. Uh, I remember there was kind of some shock value last year too because they just kept drafting pitchers. But uh, I mean, it was kind of it was it was like well they got a good value on a lot of these guys so it was like well what the hell go for it but uh, yeah it was an interesting interesting strategy for sure. Yeah. Well, it's now time for the good and bad and ugly, and this week is. Pretty uh well I I know you usually have a theme so my 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 theme is a little little random but Chris go ahead and kick off your good and bad and ugly this week. <laughs> well, my themes are very unoriginal. I basically just go position by position. So uh, this year this week it's going to be second base, uh, and so the good is Brandon Lau, who is not only leading all second basemen but also leading all rookies in. F war right now with 1.6. He's hitting 311 with eight homers and three steals and playing solid defense for Tampa Bay. Um, he's striking out at 31 percent of the time and his bat pips like 408. So this isn't gonna last, but that makes uh, that made me want to get him in here while it lasts or while it's still still happening. So kind of an interesting name down there that I don't think many people know. It just seems like to you know Tampa pulls these guys from nowhere. Although he was you know a somewhat regarded prospect. Um, my bad is Jerks and Profar. So while we're talking about prospects, I mean, what an interesting path it's been for him. He was the number one prospect in, in, in all of baseball. He's kind of a can't-miss middle infielder. I think he made the majors at 19. He had speed and power and defense and switch hitter, could play shortstop and second base. And then he just kept getting hurt constantly. And I think he missed two full seasons, basically. And then he came back last year, and he was actually pretty good for the Rangers. And I was still only 25, so it was like, all right, maybe there's something could happen. And, and the Oakland went and traded for him. And he's just been awful so far this year. In 193 with three homers and you know, below average defense. He's got a negative .6 war, which is the lowest among qualified second basemen. I, I have him here on the bad, not the ugly, because I'm hopeful he can turn it around. His bad bip's only like 190, and he's not striking out a ton at all. He's striking out like 12%. So you know, he, maybe maybe he can turn it around and get things going again. But right now it's bad. Uh, you know, he did make a good play last time, and uh, Mike Fire's no-hitter. Yes, yeah, nice diving diving grab there, kind of in, in shallow right field to save the no-hitter. Um, and then my ugly, I tend, tend to go this way. It, it often has to do with contracts. But my ugly is Robinson Cano. He's actually been okay. He's fine. He's hitting 260 with three homers. He's like a perfectly average hitter right now, like a 100 WRC+. plus. His defense isn't great anymore, uh, but the ugly part is the contract. Uh, it's The Mets owe him $24 million this year and then $24 million for each of the next four seasons. And this isn't a shock. We all knew about this. We, And the Mets knew about this, and it's still kind of crazy that they went out and got him anyway. I don't know if that was just the price for them to go get Edwin Diaz. But, yeah, it, it's just nuts to think of any team right now in this climate going out and adding that much kind of empty salary. So, I don't know. I, I It's kind of ugly. Maybe I just mentioned it to forget about the ugliness of Miguel Cabrera's deal. But <laughs> there we go. 
Yeah, and then there's speaking of ugly, I mean, there's two ugly contracts playing tonight. I mean, Pujols and Cabrera, and, and Cabrera's comments, which is, you know, I guess it's really fodder uh, at this point. There's really no just we need to rehash some of the things we're saying about who's hitting in front of them, and it was also this kind of. I mean, it was a little strange this week. What's ugly was the whole Brad Osmus, Nick Castellanos comments today, which Chris, you retweeted the stuff <laughs> from Tony Paul. Yeah, I don't know. Like, and then Tony Paul he tweeted out one that was very suggestive, and then said after that, like, "Oh, to be clear, Nick says that he really loves Osmus." It was like, "All right, well, I, I mean," and he started out before saying that that Osmus was just not good at communicating with players, which doesn't shock me, really. But I don't know. Like, I don't. Who cares? This is like a weird, like, "Hey, yeah. ex girlfriend" thing. <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of strange, uh, strange thing, but. Uh... So my good and my good and bad and ugly this week is a little, a little uh, different. Um, so there's two parts of the two good, uh, two parts to the good. Whether or whether your opinion about this is good or uh, bad, but uh, yeah, earlier tonight, uh, Joey Gallo became the first player in Major League history to hit 100 home runs before reaching 100 singles. So he has 93 singles. So. Um, you know, Chris. I know you've talked about him before, being the guy who's just going to hit two twelve and you know, but bash maybe twenty five or thirty home runs. I've heard you talk about this before, but uh, the other the other first this way or the first time since nineteen oh five was uh, the Panda Pablo Sandoval hit became the first major league player did a home run, steal a base, and post a scoreless inning in the same game. <laughs> so he pitched a he pitched an inning against the loss against the Reds on Monday, and uh, the last person to do it was. Uh, Christy Matheson. Matheson. So Christy Matheson? Yeah, the, the Hall of Famer. Yep. Wow. Yeah, so he was the last person to do so. So he was, yeah, so 1905. Uh, my bad is the Nationals. The Nationals continuously, they have lost, they they have lost, they allowed the most home runs, or most runs in NL at 187. And so about averages out to 5.3 a game. They have a negative run differential. Uh, they're just terrible at home, terrible away, doesn't matter. And they have won consecutive games, nor a series, since April 17th or April 18th. So for everybody out there, and Dusty Baker's laughing his ass off, and rightfully so, because I honestly, like, I I've, didn't understand why they fired him. I thought Dusty Baker did a did the best job that he could. Again, how much managers control a game is a difference of opinion. But to fire the guy when they couldn't get the job done, and, I mean, he, he really, I don't know, um, Martinez's bullpen management stuff skills can be questioned. I, it's just still. I mean, you losing. You've lost to the Marlins. I mean, come on, really? I, yeah, I don't know if they built that stadium on like a Native American burial ground or something. <laughs> like, I, I don't know what the hell is going on with the Nationals. It seems like every year this is happening. And and how many teams in baseball have more pure talent than the Nationals? It can't be more right. than like five, right? I mean. <laughs> You got you got a, a rotation with Scherzer and Strasburg and Patrick Corbin, and you got Anthony Rendon and you know Trey Turner's hurt, but then you got Robles and Soto, and they brought up Carter Keboom, and he, you know he's not quite ready. But there's just there's just a ton of talent on that team, and they keep losing, and I don't understand it. Yeah, I mean, injury, you you can say well you can blame injuries right now. I mean, look at Matt Matt Adams is down, uh, Cody Glover Cody Glover's down. Um, Jan Gomes is down. Trevor Robinson has had a has a virus oh, right he's now. He's brutal. Yeah, Tony Sip. <laughs> yeah, he's you know Soto's Soto's got some back uh, back issues right now, which is not good because 
as you all know, anything injuries to the core like that consistently is a bad thing. Trey Turner, yeah, we talked about Trey Turner being out. Ryan Zimmerman, but then again, I don't know, Zim, Zimmerman hasn't really been a factor in this team for a while. Um, and the shoulder, it's a lot of the shoulder injuries, too. Another one with uh, Austin Williams. So you can blame injuries you want, I guess, but still, with that rotation, you deserve a better fate, honestly. And and But the back end of the rotation has been terrible, too. Jeremy Helix, I mean, the... The bargain yeah. bin, the bargain bin starters of uh, Anibal Sanchez and Jeremy Hellickson do not help the matters either. So, I mean, Sanchez was a good signing coming off his year with the Braves. I get it, but either way, uh, it's all yeah. yeah it's, it's not it's not looking pretty over there. Um, and then my sure. ugly is the attendance, and we've talked about this a little bit. That and it was there was an article that came out in the USA Today towards the latter part of April. Um, even well, I mean, you can say weather what you want, but the uh, the Blue Jays lead in attendance drop off with thirty three percent, and this is a team that has the best minor league talent. It depends on what your opinion is, and they're not drawing at all. So, fifteen teams saw, and this is uh, fifteen teams saw a decrease in the worst March April gate, uh, which twelve teams had. Uh, was it twelve teams? Worst gate was eleven thousand or less. Pittsburgh at eight thousand five hundred twenty three. Cincinnati at 7,700, or about, oh, about 7,800. Baltimore, 6,585. And the Marlins with a 5,934, a sport of less than 10,000. So it's a lot. It's overall, the, it's, the attendance drop is less than 1%, but, or excuse me, 4%. And attendance in 2018, it, has, it still hasn't rebounded at all. It's still slipping. The Twins, I mean, they're mashing the ball. They're beating Toronto right now, but you could, you could blame weather on it, sure. But. You know, you can't look at look at the Giants. The Giants always draw well, and they have a seventeen percent drop off right now. The Royals are the Royals are fifteen percent, but uh, I mean, even with the Tigers games tonight, and you can see the Tigers crowds, there's barely anybody there. Uh, but that that is concerning. But um, it, you know, even the Rays are down eight percent, and this is a team that's <laughs> off to the best start in baseball, Chris. And I don't know, it's not looking yeah. good. Yeah, well, TV's great, so that's one thing. Um, Prices aren't aren't all that good. I don't know. I I kind of like the idea of the tenants going down so far that they have to start playing games in basketball arenas. <laughs> <laughs> Just like head over to the LCA to watch the Tigers. <laughs> I would put an old net. Like what was there was an old. I can't remember. Was it the old L.A. Coliseum where they played a baseball game there? And left field was like 150 feet away, so they put up like a 300 foot net. And you had to hit it over that to be for it to be a home run. <laughs> let's get let's get crazy. That's what I want to see. Arena baseball, do yeah. it. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Or you know, like uh, play off the wall, like you do like in a uh, Super Baseball twenty twenty. The old uh, baseball game for Sega Genesis, and see, you know, like just do it that way, or get the crowd involved. You know, do do something a little different out there. But uh, yeah, the, the attendance. I, I don't know. I think it's it it is attendance getting perhaps in their own way again, or baseball getting in their own way again with this, what have you. Uh, I mean, we we saw that great article posted by Evan Woodbury of M Live about getting tickets and going through the whole game. And, and right now, I just got tickets for Monday night's game, Monday night's Catholic League night. So I'll be re- representing my old high school, getting my old uh, Cabrini hat. And but getting those are the first time I ordered tickets. Where the tickets you have to get an app in order for the tickets to show up on your phone. There's no paper tickets anymore, and the the fees. There's no explanation for the fees. It's a little ridiculous. 
And, I mean, imagine an older fan who doesn't know how to operate their phone or any older person, but anybody who doesn't know how to understand technology, you're making it harder for people to purchase tickets and, I don't know. I, it, to me, it's a little frustrating. But, uh, nevertheless, yeah, that's my ugly for the evening. Raj, when you're down there, pick me up a Gabriel Richard hat, will you? Sure, absolutely. <laughs> and then I will, and then I will uh, light it on fire in front of you and then tell you that the Pioneers are no good. No, the 2018... Division three state champion Gabriel Richard Pioneer. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's <laughs> I was I was down I was down at Gabriel Richard uh, a couple weeks ago shooting a video for my uh, day job and I saw that there and I sighed and my uh, boss asked me he's like why did you just sigh I'm like that's uh, that's my rival <laughs> one of the one of the kids goes where did you go to school Cabrini just looks at me goes shame 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 I'm like yep I know I know I know I mean I go I go hey we have women's girls softball he goes yeah ten years ago and. We had a we had a laugh, but uh, <laughs> football team was unbelievable, though. Yeah, oh yeah, they okay. had they had two they had two um, athletes who went to U of M. That was on yeah, so that's that's saying something for a small downriver Catholic school like that. But uh, yeah, the, the, the Richard hats, I will admit, though lo that logo on there looks pretty sweet. I don't know if you had a chance yeah, to check that out. <laughs> yeah, or St. Mary's, I coach at St. Mary's, so either one. Yeah, either. Yeah, either one. And, and by the way, uh, part of the donation for the tickets goes towards the Catholic League. So, uh, awesome. yeah, so that's, that's for a good cause. So, without further ado, Chris, let's go down on the farm. Let's talk some prospects. Yeah, that's always fun. Uh, yeah, it's uh, – I guess we start in Toledo, and the biggest news down there is mostly just the lack of pitching, both in terms of quality and actual arms. We we saw Bo Burrows and Funkhauser both hit the IL with shoulder ail ailments. And then you know Ryan Carpenter's up in Detroit pitching for the Tigers tomorrow, so I don't know. I mean they're already like eight, nine games under five hundred. I don't know what the hell they're going to do for for innings. It's 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 tough down there. But and it sounds like the the Burroughs injury isn't too serious. Funkhauser's a little bit more serious. It's an impingement in his shoulder, uh, which might, he might be out for like a month. And this is you know get on with it already. Put him to the bullpen. He's always injured and can't throw strikes. Uh, yeah, with Burroughs, hopefully this explains partially his last couple of rough outings, and he comes back and he's pitching strong again. The offense down there, it's mostly just Mikey Matuk. <laughs> you know, he's <laughs> he's taking advantage of the Major League Baseballs being thrown by AAA pitchers, and he's enjoying it quite a bit. Was he hitting like 450? Let me see. He's got uh, he's hitting 414 with a 1248 OPS right now. Um, yeah, I mean he's just kind of murdering. It's it's kind of a four A situation, and I would expect at some point the Tigers will probably add him back to the forty man, but we'll see. Maybe they will let him go on June first or whatever, whenever the opt out is. Um, you know, Daz Cameron is kind of trying to claw his way back up. He's still only hitting like two fifteen, I think, but he's shown a little bit more power lately. Jake Robson's only hitting one ninety eight. That's not great for his chances as a kind of a fringe average fourth outfielder hopeful. Um. I think, you know, Josh Lester, they brought him up a while back, and he's been performing okay. I still don't really know if he's a prospect or not. I don't think so. We, you never really hear about him from scouts, but he's putting up decent stats, so he's at least a useful minor leaguer. And, yeah, beyond that, it's just, uh, I don't know, not a whole lot of fun going on in Toledo right now. Yeah. I don't know if there's any anybody who's interesting you, Roger. No, not really. I mean, it, it, we, we, we talked about this in our Twitter chat a little bit, too. I mean, there, there was some good. I mean, you saw like Jimenez go got called up after posting some a solid, had a solid start down there in AAA, 
and his debut with the against the Angels, one inning, one strikeout. So, uh, I mean, Chris, it was a promotion that he earned. I mean, he's come a long way since what assaulting somebody in West Michigan. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was you know he threw a baseball in anger. Uh, apparently, if you do that from the mound, it's like a two game suspension. But if you do it during a bench clearing brawl, it's only it's thirty games. So, you know, baseball. But uh, yeah, no, that was that's basically like the only incident he's ever had that right. I've heard of. And as we were talking before the show, you know, sometimes you could get in the heat of the moment and do something a little wild. So he seems like a, a he's a decent piece to have. I don't know if he's going to have the command to actually help. Uh, the bullpen this year, but they they all need some arms. Of course, during the course of the year, that's just the way it goes. And so it was nice to see him come up. Oh, we did get a question about Willie Craster, by the way, uh, on Twitter. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, I, I actually haven't heard anything about Willie Castro other than like, hey, the stats. You know, looking at the stats, I haven't heard anybody say anything positive or negative about him, and I haven't had a chance to get down there and see him. So I can't offer too much I, I the only thing i keep coming back to is he's got like eight errors which is you know not ideal for a guy that you if you want him to come up and probably be a shortstop most of the days um but yeah he's you know he's hitting pretty well and he's taking more walks than expected and he's stealing bases so there's there's a lot to like there i just i haven't seen it to know if it's legit unfortunately so sorry to the question asker um yeah, so I don't know. We want to move down to Erie. How does that sound? Yeah, sounds good to me. Um, yeah, pitching. How about that pitching in Erie? It's they're the only team in the system, in the entire organization, with a winning record. And you got Mize and Manning obviously doing their thing. And I think Mize has faced maybe two potential major leaguers in his first two starts, but he's still dominating like you would hope somebody that talented would. So that's good to see. And Manning is is. More dominant, I guess you would say, in terms of like strikeouts and swings and misses and stuff like that. Mize is just out there getting weak contact because he can. Um, yeah, but even like all the other pitching, Alex Fajardo was there tonight. You know, we're not nearly as high on him as the other two, but he seems to have made some uh, adjustments. You know, Brandon broke it down in his podcast. Brandon Day from Bushy Boys broke it down in his podcast last weekend and did a really good job of saying he's kind of getting more plain on the ball now and it's kind of tunneling with his slider and his changeup better so that there's. More promise there. And he, he struggled out of the gate tonight, but settled down. I think he only gave up two runs over six innings. So that was nice to see him battle back. But even beyond that, like Greg Soto <laughs> mysteriously had a, a, an outstanding start where he didn't walk anybody, which is like it's like a unicorn. <laughs> and then in his, his next outing, he went three innings and was pretty good too. And they pulled him out for three innings, which leads to speculation that he wasn't injured, as far as I can tell. Everybody's speculating that he's going to come up to the Tigers on Saturday to maybe pitch against the Twins, or I was thinking maybe just be the 26th man in case one of the other guys falls apart, but but who knows, because he's already in the 40-man. Like we said, they're running out of pitchers at Toledo, so that's good. And then Anthony Castro, who they moved to the bullpen this year, got a spot start, and it was, like, perfect. Was it five innings, I think one hit, and, like, yeah. six strikeouts? Yeah, that's correct, yeah. Yeah, it, it's just like, well, man, all right. Good job, Erie. How about that pitching? Yeah, and uh, he's so, uh, it was bu- it was building off the fact too. I mean, after he struggled against Trenton, he's I mean, outside of the struggle against Trenton. He, I mean, Bowie I mean, the Bowie Bay Sox apparently do not like Erie Seawolves pitching, and he Castro lit up the Bay Sox on that uh, both appearances too. Well, yeah, and like I was saying earlier, the Bowie does not have it's a Baltimore Orioles Double A affiliate. They don't have a whole lot of talent. I think Usniel Diaz is there, and maybe Ryan McKenna. I don't know if anybody else is 
an interesting prospect there. But still, yeah, I mean, the, the, the pitching's getting the job done, and so that's nice to see. On the offensive side, you know, Derek Hill has unfortunately come back to earth like we feared. I think he's hitting down to like 240 now. I think he got the sombrero tonight, or he was like 0 for 5 with four strikeouts. Um, and Jake Rogers has been putting up strong numbers, including a big two-homer game last week. Uh, and this is kind of where I want to mention, you know, our friend Jay Markle. When he came on, when we were talking about Jake Rogers, and he said something along the lines like, I feel like Jake Rogers does nothing for like two weeks and then has a monster game. And then it happened. So I want to kind of call these things from now on. I want to call them Jamarkles. <laughs> uh, I, like and I, I haven't I haven't cleared this with Jay, so if he doesn't like that, then we won't do it. But uh, I was like, yeah, Rogers had a Jamarkle. It makes sense to me. Um, I'll make sure to put that in the show notes and make sure I tag him on that, you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he li- he listens, but yeah, I mean it's true. Like Rogers seems to be this guy who will who will do nothing and then run up to a matchup he likes, and then yeah, it's two for three with two homers and a walk, and good for him. But yeah, he's got a, he had an OPS over like a thousand, so he seems ready to move on to Toledo. I think they just want him to move with the pitchers. So whenever those guys move up, I think he'll move up too. Um, Jose Azucar keeps hitting like crazy for some reason without walking, without really hitting for much power. I have no idea what to make of it. Like, it's a profile that doesn't work unless you hit 400, which he's doing. So, all right. Um, Pretty's uh, showing some signs of life. I still kind of waiting for him to heat up, but I think he had a solid game tonight. So, yeah, like I said, Erie is an interesting team right now. I fear that they won't be terribly interesting for long because I think a lot of that pitching is going to move on. Um, I don't know if there's anything you want to mention about uh, the Seawolves. You know what? The only thing I wanted to mention was uh... – Outside of like, it was the, the will, the whole entire uh, some of the movement between Lakeland and Erie with the bullpens. Yeah, there's been there's been lots and lots of scrambling. I mean, will Vest was up in Erie for what? Two games. Two games, yeah. and then he was up in Toledo. He got a save in Toledo. It's like, oh, all right. They're just moving guys left and right. So, I mean, Spencer Watkins was there, and he's starting in Toledo. It's just like they're they're running out of arms all over the place because of the injuries and and starts up at the, the top really so and we'll see what happens we might end up seeing some random minor league free agent signings here before too long hopefully. um what's that i said hopefully yeah. let's see if we down in down lakeland lakeland's basically just still policelli and the punks like there's nobody hitting except for brady policelli he, he got a home run last night i think there's no real offense to speak of. Although Clemens, Clemens had a Jamarkle on Sunday, <laughs> two homers and two doubles. It was like out of nowhere. It's probably like half of his offense for the entire season. Uh, but yeah, you know, Ray Rivera is actually hitting well for him. But it's still like a 250 with 12 strikeouts and no walks. Brock Dethridge has 14 hits and 32 strikeouts and 71 at bats. That's not good. Um, the pitching has been okay. Tarek Skubal bounced back. You mentioned he had a really nice. Bounce back start, and then an even better one this this past week. Six innings, four hits, I think, two runs, ten strikeouts again. Yeah. And then Elvin Rodriguez is kind of smoking mirrors, but he's got a 290 ERA, so that's helping. And, and probably the best news right now is that Brian Garcia has returned. And uh, he actually, I think he went one, two, three tonight with three strikeouts for the save. So I, I haven't seen any reports on his stuff yet, but it's nice to just have him back in the system and throw him, so... That's that's about all the good I could say about Lakeland. Unfortunately, I don't know if there's anything you wanted to mention. Uh, no. I mean, I, I was kind of West Michigan seems like it's a little, uh, it's picked up a little bit in West Michigan. Yeah, West Michigan. Uh, the, the offense, it's kind of uh, all about Ulrich Boyarski and Garrett Hill right now. 
you know, Borowski, uh he's hitting like 310 with he's got five homers, which is pretty impressive for a 20 year old in uh, in the Midwest League this early. And the guys don't hit for a ton of power down there. He hit for the cycle the other day, which they said was the first cycle for a white cap since 2006 when Michael Hernandez did it. I was going to guess Michael Holloman, but I was wrong. Um, but yeah, so it's, he's, he's another one who's not walking, though. So you want to see that, but he's not striking out a ton either. So I don't know. I, given the choice between making a bunch of hard contact and not making a hard, bunch of hard contact, I'll take the hard contact. So that's good to see. And then Garrett Hill, I don't know what the hell to make of him. I mean, usually it's just, you know, he's a like a mid-20 round college arm, so you don't think much of these guys at all. And I still don't really, but it's 26 consecutive scoreless innings out there with just 10 hits and nine walks and 30 strikeouts. And then Emily Walton tweeted out a video saying, showing him, she said he hit 95. Now I'm skeptical of that because he was like 89 to 91 in college from everything I read. So I don't know if this was just like the, the hot West Michigan board or if she was actually there and saw like a scout's gun. But if he's actually hitting 95, then there might be something to talk about. But I, I don't know. I guess I need to get out there and see him before he moves on to Lakeland. Which could be any day now, I suppose. Um, yeah, and then after that, it's just kind of the young guys. We just want them to stay afloat, and they're mostly doing okay. And it's nothing spectacular at all. Sam McMillan is hitting 230, but he's walking a ton. And then you got you know Parker Meadows and Winslow Perez both hitting like 220. We, we want to see more, and hopefully they will improve as the season goes along. But also, you know, these early season struggles are sometimes good for prospects. So that's that's good to see. And then. I don't know. Adam Wolf continues to struggle like crazy. I don't know what the hell's going on there. He's given up just hit after hit and run after run. So I don't know. It's been it's been a strange year. I, I think uh, they're a game or two under five hundred. Seems like they could they could do better soon. Yeah, there's uh, Nick Ames was off to a good start too. The late first round uh, first baseman for the Tigers and uh, does have a lot of power. I mean, of course, you know West Mich- or West Michigan's not known. I mean, it's a hard lead to hit power, but uh, he's also a pretty good start as well. Yeah, no, that's that's what I think uh, Keenan was saying. Why not just slap him and Rivera? <laughs> because Ames is uh, an older college guy, but you know, I think uh, they still view Rivera as something of a prospect and want to challenge him. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah. It was a tough pick, man. <laughs> that was a yeah. tough draft pick. Yeah, yeah, I remember he was getting like eight round, eighth round grades or whatever. Yep. For- I mean, we had him in like the tenth. It might have been the 11th. Wow. Uh, now that I think about it, and then I got a text. That night, I got a text from one of my buddies who was in a draft room, and he was texting me the picks a few minutes before they would come in on TV mm-hmm. and was like, Rivera, Juco, Tigers. And I was like, who? Like, what? He's like, oh, the Chipola guy, the first baseman. I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. And sure enough, <laughs> So I, I was freaking out. I'd assumed I'd missed something. I, it's looking like we didn't. No, it, and that one it, that bears all the hallmarks of, of them. Like they probably just got their track man installed or whatever at Joker Marchant, and they saw Chipola <laughs> play in that. Yep. What did they play that the JUCO championship the there? State championships like, in Lakeland. Oh man, yeah. look at this exit velo. Let's do this. And um, he he went to a pre-draft workout with them and was unbelievable, yeah. like hitting balls, you know, out of the city, like type of thing. Yeah. So. so. Yeah, you know, I, I guess you can fall in love with something like that and then regret it. But, uh, you know, don't want to give them uh, up on them yet, but this is like three years of not very good. So, but yeah, I mean, that seems like a fairly good segue into this year's draft. I don't know uh, 
Roger, if you had anything to say about West Michigan. Uh, no, the only thing I was going to say the, right before we segues in the draft, which kind of – I'm going to ask you guys both about this. You guys, I, I, in terms of where the t- – I mean, the the top 30 international prospects are – I saw this today. It was announced at the uh, July 2nd, which could affect the Tigers' pick. Uh, Chris, or if you guys know this, I was going to ask you guys how – in terms of who the Tigers are, t- are tied to – um, my understanding is there's a, a couple, there's a Cuban, I believe a Cuban shortstop that they're tied into. I was like, I believe it was a 15 year old prospect. Um, they're tied into him. It's, it's like the, his name's like Yabby Sibby. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I so, am not going to be any help here guys. Well, so <laughs> yeah, I mean, I actually, somebody asked me, sent me a question for, for locked on about this right before the show. And I was looking into it or a uh, Robert, Roberto, um, it's can I believe it's Roberto. It's Roberto Campos who that's who they're tied to. I believe. No. All right. So, yeah, I, I was just because, yeah, MLB Pipeline had their top 30 international prospects and and none of the guys on that top 30 were tied tied to the Tigers. You know, they always say like, hey, he's been he's expected to sign with the, the Yankees, which means they signed a deal like three years ago. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was kind of disappointed, but I haven't. So you have to send me that, Roger, because so I don't screw up the answer later. But, yeah, I haven't heard anything okay. about uh, them them being tied to anybody yet. So you, you got to screw up on me here. Oh, all right. Well, sweet. Yeah, I, mean, it was, I thought it was, the reason why I wanted to bring that up before we got into the draft was because I'm just kind of curious if that's going to play a part of who the Tigers are going to draft. I mean, they're going to have to go offensive, and so that kind of segues into the top ten here, uh, Chris. So I'll go ahead and send you that. And in the meanwhile, it, 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 it's worth noting, too, that it is, offensively speaking, the Tigers have just been – they don't have anybody in their system that really can – there's no power. The power has been lacking. So, um, yeah, Chris, go ahead and uh, let's let's break down the draft, with Brian. And, and Brian, uh, just yeah, there, is this a hitter draft or is this a pitcher heavy draft? What are what, what's the really analysis so far about this? Well, it's it's bats at the top. There's no question about that. There's uh there's really no arms even. Uh, like I shouldn't say that. There are there are arms. <laughs> it's just there's no Casey Mize. There's no one who's kind of grabbed the mantle as the dude. I don't think that there's going to be a pitcher going the top five. Um, we put out a mock draft today where we had Lodolo going six to the Padres. And I think that, you know, we had good info on that, but I still think that that's actually kind of unlikely. Um, so uh, there's a chance that the first pitcher doesn't get taken until like eight, maybe seven or eight even, which is somewhat unheard of. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's not, that it's not deep in pitching there's just no like you know Casey Mize I guess is the best way to put it yeah and it's he's every everything that I've seen and I you might have been one of the first people to point this out to me was that that the Tigers are heavily tied to Riley Green the outfielder from from Florida and so I was just kind of curious regarding him what uh you know what about him uh I guess can you summarize his skills a little bit and then kind of contrast him with Vanderbilt's J.J. Bladey, like, why would the Tigers prefer Green over Bladey or, to a certain extent, over, like, Corbin Carroll, another high school outfielder? Uh, well, Green's all about the bat, man. Um, it, it's really just it, – it's an offensive profile. It's not – I don't want you guys to think that, you know, when I say he's offense first, that's me intimating that he's Christian Stewart. Like, it's not. He's a pretty solid athlete. Um, he can move well enough. It's just he's probably not a center fielder. You know, so 
depending on how you view the arm strength, he's either a left fielder or a right fielder. And that's not to say that he won't be a solid one. It's just, you know, he's not defense is not his game so much. Uh, it's all about the bat left-handed hitter, uh, best prep, best pure prep bat in the class uh, has always hit um, just, you know, it, it's a, it's got a chance to be plus hit plus power at the major league level. Um, he's a better athlete now than he was in the fall. It's just, you know, <laughs> it's, it's the hitter. It's bad. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a guy who, um, in, in scouting lingo, sometimes we double up the hit and power grades to describe a guy. So like he's got a chance to be a 12 bat six hit and mm-hmm. six power, which is pretty rare, man. You know, I don't think, I don't even think guys have that on Blade, which is, you know, the compare and contrast there. Blade is a better athlete. He has more arm strength. He's a better fit in right field. Um, they actually probably are not too dissimilar in terms of raw power. Uh, Green's got big time raw power. It's just not talked about as much because he's known as a hitter, which, you know, mm-hmm. I'll take both. Both is good. Um, <laughs> you know, and Blade is, it's, it's not as mechanically sound as a swing uh, of a swing. Pardon me. Um, you know, it, it's just, it's, I have a beholder at some point with those two, but I think that the ultimate upside of Green's bat is a touch higher. Uh, and I think that that is probably why the Tigers prefer him. Yeah, very good. So you can guarantee Tigers fans that he's going to be Kyle Tucker or Alex Kirilov and not Cornelius Randolph. Oh, yeah. Question, man. Yeah, just, <laughs> yeah, no, just <laughs> sliding those DMs in three years. But... <laughs> yeah, no, that's, it's, that's, there, everything is it's, a guarantee when you're projecting 18-year-olds. No questions. It's, yeah. it's very, very hard. You never know what the hell's going to happen with these kids. Um, <laughs> when you, you touched on it a little bit, because I asked you a while back, I said, you know, Green at these sort of events where he tests, you know, his 60-yard time is good and his arm strength is good, but then you know, kept seeing him, you know, he's got to move to left field, maybe first base. And I was kind of like, if you want to explain to people a little bit of the disconnect there between testing well and actually putting it on the field. Yeah, I, I mean, there's a uh, – I, I don't think he's a first baseman. Like, I think at the very worst, he's like a, a decent defender in left field. I, I think that that is his floor defensively. Um, I, and I think that his ceiling defensively is like makes it work in center. You know, so mm-hmm. it's uh, – again, I don't want to think – I don't want the, t- the Tigers fans to think I'm saying he's a bad defender. He is not. It's just he's not a plus defender in center field. Like, that's all I'm saying. Um but yeah, it's the testing is, you know, there's still the standard of testing for speed being the 60 yard dash in baseball, you know, to beat the merits of that, if you want to, and we certainly could, because I see the, the faults in it. When, are, when do you run 60 yards? Um, but him down the line is where you really get the, the running grades. And, and he's consistently kind of in the fringe average, average range there running, um, I know he's thrown well from the outfield, but I think most scouts would tell you they have a 45 or a 50 on the arm. Um, so again, like these are, we're talking about fringe average to average major league tools. Like we are not, to, you know, taking away from Riley Green at all here. We're just saying like the bat is where the pluses are. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to say he might not be a center fielder, like, okay, cool. The bat is where the pluses are. You're like, oh, he might have to play right. Cool. That's fine. He might have two pluses at the plate. Like keep 
drawing your attention to that. Watch how good of a hitter he is. Like, that's what we're saying. People want to take away from this kid because he's not Mike Trout or, or whoever. But, I mean, the guy can hit, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, so, I guess to say, he's been most often mocked the Tigers. If, if it's not him, who do you think it might be? Just if there's a backup plan or if somebody else takes him before the Tigers. Um, it's there, tough to figure talk, that out. But. Yeah, there's some talk about the Marlins being on green at four. Um, and if that were to happen and the top three stays as most people expect it to, I would imagine the pick is Blade. Um I know that those are kind of the two, I think, right now. Um, mm -hmm. uh, there's some wild and crazy stuff out there that I don't believe that has Andrew Vaughn potentially sliding. If Vaughn slides to five, that's who the Tigers are going to take, as, as far as I understand it. Uh, I don't think he'll slide to five. I don't think Bobby Witt's going to slide. I don't need to have questions on Twitter about, well, what if Bobby Witt? Like, no, stop it. <laughs> Edley Rutschman's not falling. You know, it's just the top three, I think, are pretty clearly set. But in the scenario, in what whatever multiverse Marvel comic movie you want to talk about, where one of those two slides, I'd imagine Detroit would be excited to have either one of them. Um, the wildest and most crazy rumor I've heard is that the Tigers are considering Manoa, uh, which I have not heard in any way, shape, or form from outside of the Tigers organization or inside the Tigers organization. So I you know, wouldn't pay too much attention to that uh, right now anyways. we still got a month to go, so stuff might still get weird. Yeah, and I think I saw Keith Law mentioned that he was, you know, that he'd been, they'd been connected to him, which did seem odd. I mean, like, he's been pitching his ass off, and he's a big, I think I compared him to Ogre from Revenge of the Nerds a while back, because he's just this beast of a man. But it just doesn't seem to fit what the Tigers need or necessarily, you know, the, the pure talent there. But He's kind of fulmery, man. Like, and, and I <laughs> Yeah, mean, I, I get that, I sure. And, yeah, I mean that as a compliment and as a real, you know what I mean? Dude's that big who... It's tough for their lower bodies to hold up as a starter, and as you see the lower bodies go, then maybe the arm goes. Michael Fulmer waves hello with a cast on his arm still. Yeah. But you know, and that, and but at the same time, you guys know even better than I do. Michael Fulmer, when he was right, was unreal. He was really, really good. And that's you know Manoa when he's right, it's really, really good. But uh, I think that there's a, too many question marks there, maybe in terms of the the projection on of his physicality and then the durability concerns that come with that that would keep him out of the top five you know if the tigers were picking a 12 or something then yeah like i think he would absolutely be a target but i think they're gonna focus on bats here yeah. so I, I did my last my last question on green here uh, you know he, he had such a strong track record of hitting everywhere on like the showcase circuit i think he, he hit a bomb at wrigley off of brenham alone as i recall one up uh, and got 97 yeah but uh but um his NHSI wasn't terribly strong. Do you think that affected him in, in any way, shape, or form? Or is that just like, uh, you know, whatever, it's a one weekend? No, oh, I was down there for that. And, and it was, like, he was fine. It yeah, wasn't that just, it was bad. It was just he didn't, like, take over the event. You know, I, I think he yeah. probably hit, like, 350 for the event and had some extra base hits and walked and didn't really strike. Like, he was good. He just wasn't, you know, unbelievable. So, yeah. When you get to be when you get that late in the spring, when you're two months from the draft, like that was, or right now when you're closing in on three weeks to the draft, it, it's the nitpicking gets even more magnified. 
you know, which is fair, you know, that's the process. But when you're talking about Riley Green having a good performance at NHSI instead of, you know, hitting 600 with eight bombs, then guys, he's still pretty good. So I I don't think it, I don't think it affected him. I don't think it dropped him. You know, I I don't know if there was a chance for him to rise anyway. So, you know, the the top three are kind of set right now, I think. So it's, it's still early and it's hard to know this. There's obviously a lot of factors, but have, have you heard any sort of rumblings about who might be slotting in there in the second rounds or later, you know, it, it's, this isn't a great draft to try to float a prep guy down. It would seem because Arizona has 48 picks in a billion dollars, but uh, yeah, I'm curious if they go the green route, do you expect them to follow it up with like a, a college pitcher or college hitter? Uh, Tommy Henry is a guy to watch there. Who's that? Tommy Henry Tommy, from Michigan. Oh, from Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, interesting. Yeah, we. It's actually ironic. I'm looking at the rough draft of our draft list, which is going to start coming out on Friday. Uh, and Tommy Henry is at exactly number 47, which not done on purpose. That's where the Tigers yeah. pick. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, it, it's. I'd heard his name connected to the Tigers specifically. I don't know if he's going to get there. Um, yeah. No, there's a there's a chance he goes maybe as much as ten spots before that. Um, but yeah, he'd be a guy I'd watch for. And then if they take Green, depending on what you do with the signing bonus, there's going to be some college arms available there. Uh, you know, Dre Jamison, I, I don't think is going to be there, but he'd be a guy. Uh, Josh Smith from LSU is a shortstop who I believe they drafted out of high school. Uh, Tigers did late. Interesting. I might I be making that. that, but I remember uh, them taking uh, Drew Mendoza, the, the third baseman for Florida State. But he'd be a guy who's available or might be available at forty-seven too. Um, there you go. So yeah, it, it, there's going to be guys. Matt Cantorino from Rice is a name who's popped up. I don't like him that high, but others do. Um, so it's really going to depend, as it always is, what they do at pick five and how much money they think they're going to save or spend or you know whatever there. Yeah, yeah. One yeah. one of the ones that you had on your list, and I was kind of curious about, is as a potential later uh, later in the draft. And sometimes the Tigers do go local and then and, and tend to pick guys within the area. And it, they used to be their mo back in, in back in the day, but currently they've kind of gone away with it. But uh, the one name I wanted to ask you about was uh, Wayne State's uh, Hunter Brown that you you mentioned on your on your list, possibly third or fourth round, but uh, hitting ninety seven ninety eight. Uh, how legit is this? And it's—I mean—could the Tigers make a potential pick with this? I mean, right now the Tigers relievers cross the—they're—they're they're lacking a little bit, so I can see the Tigers pick up a couple relievers in the mid rounds. Yeah, yeah. Um, I went down and saw Hunter Brown at, at Ernie Harwell Field, which, you know, if you got—if anybody's listening to this who's local, like, go to a Wayne State baseball game, and even if you don't want to watch Wayne State play baseball, their home field is like a shrine to Ernie Harwell. It's awesome. You just walk into the what would be the clubhouse, I guess, behind the plate, and it's basically just an Ernie museum. It's absolutely incredible. Like, just go spend a couple hours there. It's cool. Uh, but anyway, I went down and saw Hunter Brown earlier this season. Um, we're going to have him in the probably like late third, early fourth range. So he could be a target for the Tigers, I think. Um, as you start talking about value, like maybe or at maybe like pick one twelve there in the fourth round. Uh, he may go before that. 
there's every chance he does. But yeah, he's a he's a physical right hander. Um, you know, not overwhelmingly big, but strong. He's six two, two ten, something like that. He's been up to ninety seven, ninety eight with the fastball. Uh, there's flashes of a plus slider there. I think he's more likely a reliever long term. Uh, I think in my report I put like seventy thirty uh, that he's going to be a reliever eventually. But you know, guy could end up throwing really really hard out of a bullpen with a potentially you know swing and miss breaking ball, and you can get that guy out of your backyard. It, I think that'd be a good target for them, certainly. And I don't think it would be a reach at all in the fourth round. That's interesting. That was that was I actually had that down as my last question for you. <laughs> oh, sorry. I was sorry like, hey, let's finish up with a cool local guy. But I also had some. My bad, um, man. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, I, I it feels to me like every year, I, the last couple of years, I've been doing these fake Tigers mock drafts because I'm a nerd, uh, and it feels like they're due for like two catchers in the top 10 rounds. So, <laughs> so I'm kind of curious, uh, who, who are we thinking they take in like the third or fourth round? We're going to go Cooper Johnson or Steve I, Millis? You know, Cooper was the guy who first jumped into my head, but I don't think he's that high on the board. Um, I think he's more seventh, eighth. Gotcha. Uh, but I would love for them to take him. I've been a big Cooper Johnson fan for, you know, three and a half years now or whatever it was since the first time I saw him, almost four years ago now. Um, absolute rocket launcher behind the plate, really, really good receiver, uh, really good defender overall. It's just he hasn't hit. He, yeah. You know, he, he hasn't hit. He didn't hit in high school, you know, didn't hasn't hit at Ole Miss. It's, he's gotten better. Uh, one of the guys who works with me, Vinny Servino, has seen him in back-to-back years now and, and we actually had a pretty lengthy discussion about the the changes that he's made to his swing and, and what their hitting coach, Mike Clement, down there is, is doing with him as far as, um, you know, getting him a little looser and a little more fluid and how his numbers are better than they have been. It's just we talked about um, Riley Green potentially having like a 12 bat. And Cooper's like, you know, if you squint, like a seven, maybe. Um so you know, that's that's where the, about right, though. the loss in value comes in, but at the same time, that's you take a chance on a guy like that defensively behind the play. Catchers always make the show, man. Catchers always get yeah. there. It's just you know how many catchers have the Tigers had in the major leagues over the last decade that you you know any pro scout in their right mind would say no, this is not a major leaguer. But catchers always get there. So yeah, yeah. I figured it'd be somebody like him, or or you know, I don't. Know. One of the, uh, the the kid from Washington. I don't know if they'd go back to Washington with what Joey Morgan has done, but um, <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> yeah. The uh, but the you know, the last question I had for you. I know you you do a, a whole lot of work with JUCO stuff. Yeah. And the Tigers have actually gone that route a, a little bit the last couple of years, and they went uh, two years ago. We mentioned Rivera, and they got Ariara, and then last year they went and got Eric De La Rosa and Avery Tuck. And so I'm just kind of curious if there's any interesting names out there not necessarily if they're tied to the tigers or anything like that but just kind of interesting juco kids uh, beyond you know rutledge at the top that, that people should know yeah um actually the pretty sure the third guy on our list is antoine kelly from wabash he's the third juco player um big left-handed pitcher yeah i was thinking he's the lefty who's hitting like 97 and has no yeah. idea what he's doing R- correct yeah <laughs> yes but <laughs> he was he's an interesting story like chicago area kid um, kind of got some helium late last spring as a high school guy who was a six, six lefty who, uh, you know, was up to 94 or, or whatever it was just kind of a, 
a project like a lotto ticket you know maybe if we can sign him for 125 let's do it like that kind of kid uh ended up going to wabash valley who is the number one juco team in the country and it's really not even close right now they're like 49 and one and score 15 runs a game and our red shirting d1 signees like unbelievable team uh and kelly is one of their start one of their starters one of their starting pitchers he's throwing enough strikes now he's up to 97 98 everything looks like it should you know he's that long lean super fast whippy arm like stupid extension um but you know can't really spin a breaking ball yet can't really consistently throw a change up yet but when you take a look at the developmental trajectory you're seeing two years ago who one year ago no clue what he's doing up to 94 two you know present day 98 and throwing strikes what is that going to look like in a year? What is that going to look like in two years? What if he starts throwing a breaking ball? You know, so I, I think there's a chance that he goes off the board in like the third round maybe. Um, I might be high on him because of my Juco proclivities. But, uh, yeah, I think there's a chance he goes in the third or fourth round. He, he could be a target for the Tigers. But that's, you know, even more so than Riley Green in the first round, that's a lotto ticket. You know, that's a we got to give this some time, fellas. You know, that one, one of those types. I remember there was was it Ivan Johnson, the yeah. kind of second baseman. He was getting some some talk earlier in the year. I haven't kept up with him though. But yeah, he's he's still like a mid day two guy, um, mm-hmm. you know, six seven type. I think it's uh, he's hitting better, but you know he's limited to second base. He's not really a shortstop, but there's power and he's athletic and he runs and yeah, there's things to like. Right on. All right. Uh... So yeah, I. I Oh, go sorry. ahead, Roger. Yeah. Uh, I was just say the the only question I had left was the the Tigers have and teams have done this lately, like got lineage a little bit. The Tigers have done this a little bit, but the, there's two players in the draft that come well with some Tiger history. I, I can't say a lot of Tiger history. Uh, the Jake Randa and who was the son of former Tiger uh, Tiger great, quote unquote uh, Joe Joker. Joe Randa uh, was the third baseman for a minute. And Jack Leiter, who is the son of Al Leiter, but if you want to really technically think about it, he is the nephew of Mark Leiter, who pitched for the Tigers for a minute. I believe, yeah, it was the mid '90s. I believe he pitched for it. Yeah, God, I forgot about that. Yeah, so <laughs> that's my. Uh, I made a really obscure Tiger tie-in with that, but uh, either way, uh, in terms of lineage and what have you, um, I saw Jake's numbers. He's killing it, and. Jack is a, I believe, yeah, he's he's a right-handed pitcher right now. It's kind of kind of a smaller side of things. He's six foot one, but um, he's committed to go to Vanderbilt right now. But what about what all these lineage guys? And this keeps coming up more and more. Um, well, we're not Tigers aren't going to get lighter. Um, they're not going to take him at five, and he's either going to be gone or will not sign at forty-seven. So we're not going to get him. Uh, but he is very good despite being a little undersized. It's uh, super advanced pitchability. Like I first saw him when he was like, he had just finished his freshman year of high school and he showed up at a, at an event I was in, in, in Jersey and was 83, 85 and threw four pitches for strikes. You know, it was like, Oh, well no kidding. He's outlier son. No way. Advanced pitchability. No, I would have never guessed. Um, <laughs> But now he's he's up to 96, 97 at times. The curveball's plus. He's, the slider and changeup are both still below average, but he can throw them all for strikes. And he's done a really good job developing his body as far as 
adding muscle and, and retaining athleticism. And there's kind of some Bo Burrows there with that whole like somewhat undersized gets really up top type of thing. Um, but lighter already throws more strikes than Burroughs does. So but you're, you're looking at a starter, even if it's kind of more of a sunny gray starter, potentially. Um, I, I think that he's a guy who, you know, he might go to the Yankees right there at 30 or wherever they pick. Um, it kind of too perfect not to, but he's, he's also a uh, really strong commitment to Vanderbilt. So there's a chance he, he goes to school along with his teammate, Anthony Volpe. Uh, who's also mm-hmm. another kind of fringe first round type. Um, but Randa, Randa is yeah, he's one of the top Juco prospects in the country. He goes to Northwest Florida State, who, who I have at number two right now. So you actually touched on a, a team at number one and a team at number two. Um, but yeah, outfielder, he's kind of limited to left field. He might end up being a first baseman, but all he does is hit. You know, it's uh, he's growing into power. That's coming on. I don't know exactly what his signability is. Last I checked, it sounded like he was going to head to Mississippi State more than likely. Uh, but if he goes to Mississippi State and performs, then he'll be, you know, like a third rounder next year or even better than that potentially. So we'll see. But he's he's definitely an interesting one to watch. He could be someone to watch like in the mid-day two range. Well, you know, I just thought of something and I kind of bring it back around to the earlier segment. The last year, I thought the Tigers might go uh, family path with Taryn Bavra mm-hmm. uh, but they ended up taking Cody Clemens um, and I'm just kind of curious you know we, we did that run through for the minors and it's kind of been a mixed bag so far and Mize has been that's what you want from your top pick and then Scoobull has been really outstanding and Meadows is kind of so-so but then Wolf and Clemens are really struggling and I'm kind of just curious looking back what about that group surprises you are any of these uh, these performances really surprising to you so far um, I mean, I'm a little surprised that I'm a little surprised by both, but for different reasons. Um, I, I guess I expected Clemens to be a little bit more advanced as a hitter. Uh, I never thought of him as like a, he struck me as like a left-handed Scott Sizemore was, you know, um, but, and that's not to say that that wasn't a good pick. I think that's a fine pick in the third round. Uh, I just thought he would have been able to handle high A a little bit better. I didn't, I didn't expect him to blow through double A or anything, but, you know, handle high A this year. Wolf, on the other hand, like, I, you know, he's never had a bat missing pitch, like, even in college. So yeah. he's never had a plus pitch. You know, he threw a cutter a lot. He got a lot of weak contact. Um, and, you know, he's never been a velo guy. It, it's just been kind of a, a bag of fringe stuff through strikes. Um, but usually those guys, even with no stuff at all, don't struggle like he is in the Midwest League, which is yeah. that's shocking to me. That even a guy who I don't necessarily, you know, particularly like as a prospect, pitched for three years in the ACC and had success. Like that's already a better league than the Midwest League usually. So uh, that is that is surprising. There's I'm sure there's something going on there that we don't know. Like his velo's way down, or you know something's going on, or he can't throw a cutter anymore for some for some reason. But he that's very surprising to me. Um, yeah. yeah, that was the one, you know, I, I always say, like, if you have a changeup, it doesn't even necessarily have to be good. Yeah. But if you're a lefty with a changeup, you're going to dominate the Midwest League and nothing. Yeah, he, he's been really shocking to me, too. But, yeah, that's that's good stuff. I was kind of curious about that. Yeah, and school is, that's great, man. I remember saying that the night of the draft, like, whew, 
you know, that's got a chance. Now, now we're getting too ahead of ourselves. The Tigers fans are, which as yeah. every fan base is prone to do, relax. You know, he's still probably a reliever and he still doesn't really have a really good breaking ball. So let's all calm down. <laughs> However, if you get a middle reliever out of a ninth rounder, you know, that's a hell yeah. of a pick. That is a hell of a draft pick. So it, it's fine to be excited, but, you know, let's not call him the steal of the century or, you know, yet anyways. Like, let's yeah. see. How, yeah, and you know this better than I do, man. You've been talking about it for all, all this time. Like, let's see how these guys do when they hit a double A. Then we'll, then we'll reassess. <laughs> double A is the barometer, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, that's, uh, that was great. Yeah, I appreciate it. I said this last year, too. I think I could talk to you about the draft. I could probably ask you another 45 questions. And, <laughs> Let's hey, do it, about, man. Uh, Draft power. What about Ricky DeVito? And what about uh, you know, did, uh, Tyler Fitzgerald? Brady Ricky McConnell. DeVito is interesting in that if you look at his stats, he's pitched way, 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 way worse when he starts on Fridays as opposed to when he starts on Saturdays, which, you know, same team. Yeah. You're facing the same team. So that is kind of interesting. He's got stuff, but he doesn't really have command, and he doesn't really, you know. And Tyler Fitzgerald's a personal favorite, dude. If the Tigers got him in, like, the fifth round, I'd jump for joy. I love that guy. Well, and that's one, another one I, I kind of speculate about because they did, I think they started their season playing Connecticut at Joker Marchant. So I was like, huh, maybe they got a, a good look at that. And, and like him, But I don't know, who knows. Yeah, if you look at that kid's numbers from last year to this year, um, and even somewhat from the freshman year to the sophomore year, and then again this year, last year to this year, it's he's made. And this this goes back to when he was a junior in high school. You know, like when Louisville first committed this kid. You know, it was athleticism, speed. Um, he'd tease you with the bat enough to make you believe, but you know he couldn't really hit yet, and you know he couldn't really hit breaking balls, and there wasn't a lot of power yet because he was this skinny dude, but he could drive the ball weirdly, and, and so I've been kind of waiting for that guy to pop. And he hasn't quite popped as much as my lofty expectations of five years ago were, because I didn't know what he was doing five years ago. Um, I still don't, but <laughs> you fake it. And but you know that he's a guy who's hitting. He's hitting for power. He's walking more. He's stealing bases. You know, it, it, it's and he's a good defender. He's a good defender. So I I, I think that that's I, he might go even higher than what I'm saying. But I, I'd love that guy midday too. Yeah, no, it's fun. I, I, I've been trying to keep up with this the best I can. It's been a little bit harder this year because I've been doing the damn nightly podcast. But uh, yeah, so I know it's 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 always enjoyable to check out the drafts and stuff like that at, at PGA. So yeah, thank you. Yeah, uh, appreciate that, man. Yeah, we, uh, we have fun doing. It. Yeah, we're uh, we're doing a live draft show uh, like we did last year. We're gonna do a uh, pick. We're gonna do the the Tigers the the Tiger first round on draft night so we're going to be playing a facebook live streaming that and having the live link for everybody to check it out so uh that's gonna be a busy night for you i understand that brian and uh you can find brian at brian underscore sadowski uh s-a-k-o-w-s-k-i underscore p-g and of course he is the national scouting supervisor at perfect game usa first time uh, being tossed out of a baseball game at the assistant <laughs> coach at orchard lake st mary's for the eaglets in a very competitive Catholic league this year. And, uh, Brian, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate it and uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Always have a great time. Awesome. Thanks. All right. So, uh, yeah, so, Brian, join us this evening, this evening and uh, look forward to all the great draft content coming out here. The draft is just a short time away, and uh, 
Thanks for listening, everybody, for subscribing to us on iTunes, Podbeam, everything you want to podcast-wise. We really appreciate it. Uh, check out Chris's latest Lockdown Tigers as he recaps the Tigers' 10-4 victory over the Angels and more. And what else you got coming out, Chris? Uh, not much. Got a couple of questions uh, for tonight's show. One of them about, like, hey, Mike Fires threw another no-hitter. What did we get for him? Um, oh, God. Oh, not going to be a great answer. Uh, and then there was another one about, you know, hey, can the Tigers get to 500 this year, like at the end of the season? And then the final one was about that that top 30 list, which I didn't see the one guy you mentioned, so that's interesting. I'm going to have to maybe have to do a special update on Solid Mystery style. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. The, yeah another well, average show. Yeah, the, the, uh, yeah that, the, the link you just sent me now, too, with the two Cubans deflecting during a Little League thing is uh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, that must be one of them, right? They must have just gotten rid of his last name. That that might be the case. It sounds that looks because like, the yeah. age works out, doesn't it? Yeah, let me. Yeah, let me look at this real quick here. Um, yeah, yeah, the camp. Yeah, it does it does match up correctly? Yeah. Um, Campos, Which makes yeah, me they, wonder, like, where? Yeah, where have these kids been? Have they just been hanging out in the Dominican for the last two years? Yeah, I know they've just um, been chilling. Oh, it's interesting. So yeah, and, okay, uh, yeah it's worthy of some digging. Maybe yeah. for next show. No, that definitely. I'll, I'll dig around for that for sure. And uh, all right, that that makes a lot of sense now. So uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, thanks so much for listening. We appreciate it. We look forward to talking to you again soon. There, there's some big things coming up on the horizon. Kind of hush hush about that at the moment, but uh, you know, as we what they call it in the biz, the the tease. Check out all the great content on the Overtime Media Network. Check out all the great stuff at sportsradiodetroit.com. And we'll talk to you next week. Oh, Brandon Day will be joining us next week, by the way. So there'll be a BD. BD, it's been a while since we had Brandon Brandon on, so uh, so Wednesday or Thursday, I haven't named a lot of time yet, but Brandon Day will be back, so please listen again, because if you're not listening because of one guest, I'm sorry, it is what it is. See you next time. <laughs>